I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you. You create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. And for the next two weeks, we've got special episodes for y'all. Asked by one of our members, Marco Mel, who's one of our movement members. He's the CEO of the East Arkansas Crossroads Coalition. Asked us if we would do a bio podcast on both Alex and myself. We've been doing bio podcasts for our movement members ever month since June. And uh, all along the way, we've done some great ones from Michael Hecht in New Orleans to Danielle Casey in Albuquerque to Bill Sisson in Mobile, Barry Broom, Chris Kamai, lots of them. And so uh, Mark said, I would like to hear y'all's story. And that's something we have really never told. So today I'm going to interview Alex Metzger, the co-founder of Next Move Group. And next week, he's going to turn the tables on me. And then after that, we're going to try to get Marco Mel on here himself since he requested these as one of our movement members. So with that being said, Alex, welcome to our show. Well, thanks, Chad. Happy to be here. And thanks, Mark, for suggesting this idea. So uh, excited to talk a little bit about our past and how we started Next Move Group and where we are today. Yeah, so we're going to get into a lot of what happened before Next Move Group. That's how we do these bio podcasts. And it's interesting Alex, I think Mark was one of the first people we met when we were starting Next Move Group. Remember, we went in Memphis for SCDC, and we rode over to Arkansas to see Mark. I don't think anybody even knew we existed yet. So it's funny he asked us to do this seven years later. I definitely remember. We had lots of little car trips like that when we were first starting out. Well, basically, I'm going to ask you the same questions we've been asking our other guests just to understand your background and what your story is. So take us back to what you did before you got into economic development. Sure. Well, I actually owned a company, was an entrepreneur before I got into economic development, that did website advertising. So it wasn't like website advertising that you see today with Google AdWords, SEO searches, etc. This was 
community-based websites where you actually had a blocked advertisement. So people could submit, you know, their kids went to the soccer game and the tournaments and different kind of ribbon cuttings in town. They were all community-based, kind of like a small online community newspaper. And uh, I did this for a couple of years and kind of franchised out for multiple cities throughout Western Kentucky. And one day I had an epiphany that kind of online advertising was changing. I saw that Google and the online advertising game was far different than what our company was doing. And it scared me a little bit. And I kind of went and exited the company and sold to my business partners and went out and got into economic development. So most people know that you and I worked together in Paducah, Kentucky before we started Next Move Group. But I don't know that I even know this. How did you ever learn that economic development even existed? How did you know there was such a profession before you ever even interviewed with me? Well, I knew enough to be dangerous just from, you know, being in the website business, we had to follow announcements and I kept up with the local paper. So I knew the term economic development. I knew that communities had economic development organizations, but I had no clue what they did. So like most people, I kind of looked into it. You had just been hired into Paducah and I was doing the leadership Paducah class at the same time that you were hired. And so we kind of spent a whole day following around and learning what the economic development organization did. And this coincided with the same time I kind of had this epiphany about the future of my online business. And so everything is all timing in life. And the timing lined up perfectly with these three events. And I went and met you, I probably went your first month, first month in Paducah and said, Hey, you know, I understand you're going to need some help here and introduce myself. And, and the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, you kind of rubbed me the wrong way at first. I was at the golf course just trying to play golf, and you come up and said you wanted a job, and I didn't really want to talk about a job right then. I know how much you focus on golf, Chad. Well, back then I focused on it a little bit. But it's interesting you say you learned about it in the leadership program because that's also how I learned about economic development. We'll get into my story next week, but that's a similarity for economic developers. If you ever wonder, do these leadership programs work? That's also how I learned about it. So thinking about all your previous roles, once you got into economic development, did you learn anything from them that really helped you with it? How did they help prepare you to be an economic developer? Well, my whole family was entrepreneurs. And so I really came from that line of thinking as far as, you know, how to make profit, how to expand, how to set achievable goals and obtain them. And so, you know, my whole family was whether it was my uncles or my father owned different kind of business. So I really came from that aspect. Plus I've owning my own website company, I was already kind of had the entrepreneurial mindset. And that transitioned pretty easily to economic development. Another job that I had was trainings and corporate openings with Texas Roadhouse. So I was a server for five or six years throughout college and a little bit afterwards. And that kind of teaches you how to deal with people. So I didn't know what an economic developer did, you know, until that leadership class where I kind of took a crash course and learned a lot from you and other mentors in economic development when I got into it. But I would say it was a combination of many things, but to be a good economic developer, you have to be good with people and you kind of have to have the entrepreneurial mindset, both from a growth mindset and both from understanding what businesses need to be profitable. Well, and good economic developers are aggressive. And even if we go back to, you came up to me on the golf course and said, I want a job. You weren't passive about that. And that's something that economic developers can probably learn from. You keep telling people that you were on the golf course like you were in some kind of big tournament. I believe it was the Chamber Scramble. So if you were getting real serious in preparation for a Chamber Scramble, I don't know how serious you were taking it. I don't remember what it was, but I work hard, play hard. So if I was at the golf course, I didn't want to talk about work. And all I remember is you running over there and asking me for a job. And I didn't want to talk to you right then, but I remember thinking to myself, that's the kind of person we need. I want somebody that will run around and ask people to move their business here. So I think that was a good, a good sign. 
So we've owned Next Move Group for seven years now. So has it gone about how you thought or worse or better? Or what would you give our scorecard? Seven years. Time flies, doesn't it? I mean, definitely better. I was optimistic. I'm naturally an optimistic person, but it's gone better than I ever thought, especially last year, the success that we had and the growth we hit. You know, last year was our best year ever, and we did that during a pandemic. And with all the stuff going on in the world to be able to achieve what we achieved last year, that's something I never would have thought could happen and something I'm going to be proud of until I die. So what initiatives now that we're doing are you most excited about? Well, lots of them. The movement's exciting. I would say what I'm most excited about is our growth into the private executive search space. So some of you all may know we started helping small to mid-sized manufacturing companies find white-collar workers. I've always enjoyed the executive searches almost more than anything and being able to help small businesses, which my background has all been about and my family's been about, is something that I'm really excited about. It's a great growth sector. I enjoy doing the executive searches. I enjoy helping people find jobs. I also enjoy helping people move to rural towns. You and I both grew up in smaller communities. So this is something I'm excited about and excited to see where it goes in the future. Well, right along with that question, what do you really love about your job? What gets you up in the morning ready to to go work some more? I mean, besides getting to work with you every day, Chad? Well, yeah, I mean, everybody knows that. Everybody loves working with me. That goes without saying. Probably the people. We had clients in probably 40 states already, and in every town you get to not only meet the economic developers, but the board members of executive searches. I have met some really, really great people from all walks of life, from all areas of the country, elected officials. I've met some very great elected officials around the country. So it's been a while since we've got to travel and go to conferences. However, the, the executive searches even meeting these people virtually. I've met some really wonderful people and some I've learned a lot from. So I would say that's definitely something that I've enjoyed doing. I like people, I'm extroverted and getting to meet people in every area of the country has been quite an enjoyment. So now that you sit on this side of the table, the private side. What have you learned about economic development that you wish you had known back when you were an economic developer? That's a good question. The thing that used to frustrate me on the other side of the table was site selection projects starting and stopping and starting and stopping and then just disappearing. And sometimes they come back, sometimes they wouldn't. And now that I do site location work and you see the company side of thing, it's very natural and you see it. I mean, they could be in the running for a new contract, which would totally change the area of the country that they need to be in and have to pause for four or five months while they're, they're trying to win a contract. There's so many different reasons that these site selection projects can start and stop or can maybe regionally change. And uh, that's something when I was a local economic developer, I didn't understand. And now that I'm on this side, it's something that every economic developer needs to know. It's not a bad thing when these projects start or stop. Sometimes there's some factors that you can't anticipate that just put these projects on hold. And it's very common now doing the site location work, seeing it from that side of the table. So you talked a little bit on growing up kind of in an entrepreneurial family, but take us back to growing up and really what foundation did you learn that has then led you to be successful in both economic development and owning your own business? Well, Ever since I was young, I mean, the people my father hung out with were entrepreneurs. All my uncles were entrepreneurs, and it was just kind of natural for me. You are what you know, and it's kind of the only way I saw. So I was naturally drawn to the aggressiveness of it, and it kind of built a foundation for the success I've enjoyed today. I'm, I'm aggressive. I'll take risks. I'm not near risk averse as some people are, and you know, sometimes you strike out, and you just got to get up the next day and go after it again. So your dad was an entrepreneur from what age? And talking to him before, like he was an entrepreneur about as young as you were, right? 
Well, close. So the family owned Metzger Meatpacking, which was in Southern Illinois and Western Kentucky, owned a lot of meatpacking. So he went to work there during high school. You know, according to him, he walked uphill in the snow both ways to stick <laughs> hogs. And it does sound like awful work. I mean, sticking hogs every day for hours on end had to be miserable work. So, you know, he started and worked his way up through there and eventually became a managing one. And then he, I guess he had enough of it and he went to the savings and loan business. And that was a little before I was born. And then he kind of got into the restaurant business. So growing up, I saw him get into a bunch of different franchises, private restaurants, as well as my uncles doing the meatpacking and other businesses. So yes, as you're saying, my whole family has always been doing that. So I know he owns some showbiz pizzas and Chuck E. Cheese, Pete. Were you ever the mascot? Were you ever the bear or whatever he is? It's a mouse. Well, on showbiz was a bear. Chuck E. Cheese was a mouse. And only on great days was I able to do that. But I used to love being in the costume. It's a little hot in there, but it's definitely a fun day at work when you get to go in and dance around and entertain people. Thank you, Alex. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. We'll be right back with a lot more with Alex Metzger right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success well take us back to when you were like 10 years old little alex running around western kentucky what did you want to be when you grew up <laughs> uh believe it or not and my mom will always tell you the story i never wanted to be anything people would always ask me you know what do you want to be your grow up said i don't know i'm sure it'll all work out so i've always been a person that lives in the moment I try to plan ahead and, you know, make decisions for the future, but I can't ever remember anything I wanted to be when I was growing up. Even when I was playing competitive golf in high school, I never wanted to make that a career. I, I guess I just figured I'd be an entrepreneur because it's what I knew. And it turned out that happened, but no, I never wanted to be an astronaut or a fireman or anything. And people would ask me and I'd never have a good answer for them. That kind of surprises me because in our business, you're far more organized than me. So I figured you would have had a plan all along. So. You just brought up competitive golf. So I know you just won the Missouri Athletic Club Championship, which is a big deal in St. Louis. So brag on yourself a little bit. Well, I don't know what there is to brag about. It was just a club championship. And this is my fifth year of playing for it. So playing in it, you play stroke play, and then they take the top uh, eight or 16 golfers that go into match play. And I ended up getting it done this year. Yeah, and so this is the Missouri Athletic Club right there in St. Louis. Been around like 100 years. Jack Buck and all the famous baseball players are members and all the famous hockey players. And so it's not just like a Waynesburg Country Club where I grew up. You know, it's funny. This is my 
I guess my fifth year playing in it. And the other four years, I was playing great at the end. I made it to the semifinals or the finals of the match play all every year and was playing great and never got it done. And this year I played none. You know, we launched the movement during COVID and the pandemic and I played none. At the end of the year, I was playing awful, shooting the highest scores I ever shot. I was actually the final seed making it into the match play and ended up winning it. So it just goes to show you the difference between match play and how crazy golf is. You never know what's going to happen each day. You go out there and ended up winning all my matches and finally won it. So if you think back to your career, who was the biggest influence on it? The biggest influence on my career. Well, I learned a lot from Brian Tracy, who's always been one of my mentors. Nobody I've ever met, but many of y'all probably know Brian Tracy. And, you know, he has a book called Maximum Achievement. And I read that when I was pretty young and it really shaped my whole career, not only from a business, but also a personal life. It's all about how to achieve your goals, how to prepare your vision in life, what you're going after, how to unlock your subconscious to help you prepare to do those goals. So as far as somebody I've never met, it would have to be Brian Tracy. I would urge everybody to go out and pick up his book if you're not familiar with him. It's really, really powerful stuff and helped me be successful for sure. As we think back now more to help an economic developer, so you have managed most of our economic development executive searches. I don't know if the public would know that, but Alex has probably managed 75% of maybe 80%. So what advice do you give economic developers, both if they're pursuing a new job and what advice you give them in dealing with their boards and elected officials? Because you have now sat in the rooms when you're hearing them be talked about as far as hiring them or not. I know I said this in the podcast we did to start the year, but... The secret is interview, interview, interview. Interview as much as you can for any economic development professional. So many of these executive searches, the search committee hires the best interviewer, not the best economic developer. So, you know, no matter all the wins you have in your career and that you've put on your resume, you still have to be able to communicate that to a search committee to get the job. And when you're down to the final three or four, there's some very, very good economic developers that are left at that stage. And it's always whoever interviews the best that gets the job. And interviewing is just like golf or lifting weights and building muscle. It's something you've got to practice and it's a muscle you've got to get good at and hone in. And sometimes I'll see people who are just natural interviewers and they'll knock it out of the park and the search committee is just in awe. And I've seen some great economic developers who may not be as strong as interviewers and may not be their skill set. It may be they haven't interviewed for 10, 12 years before and they're just rusty. So if you're wanting to move up in the economic development profession, the one thing I would say is Anytime you have an opportunity, practice interviewing, even if it's a job that you may not sure if you want and you get asked to interview, apply for it and interview because that's a skill set that is really going to help you when that dream job does come along or the job that you really do want, you'll have that experience in your back pocket and you'll be a lot more successful. Thank you, Alex. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. We'll be right back with a lot more with Alex Metzger right after this. In June of 2020, Next Move Group launched a new initiative called The Movement, and we already have more than 100 economic developers as part of our movement. The movement was really built to help improve the quality of lives of economic developers. It helps economic developers land more deals, helps them get along better with their board and elected officials, helps them deal with the media, even helps them learn how to build their resume if they want to look for a new job. So thank you to our first 100 members, and if you want to join the movement, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement to learn more. 
talk about how you manage your time. I know you actually have a system. I mean, I've seen you plot out how you're going to manage your time. So talk about that. Well, I think managing time is very important. I actually use a software called Toggle. And so I actually log hours of time using software. So at the end of the week, I can go back and see how much time I spent, you know, cooking, how much time I spent cleaning, how much time I spent on different tasks at work. You know, I do something called standard work and then improvement work. The improvement work is marketing and sales, that type of thing. And I try to log, you know, I'll set goals for a certain number of hours a week. Another big thing is I will leave my phone on airplane mode or leave it charging in the other room when I'm going to do an hour of a certain task. I know that frustrates you quite a bit, Chad, but it really helps me be productive and really focus on whatever task I have at hand. And it might be 30 minutes. It might be 45 minutes. I need to sit down and do something. And if I don't need any interruptions with that, I'll log in my time. I'll set my phone in the other room and try to get it done. You're right. That makes me mad. <laughs> I'm trying to get a hold of something's the matter and it goes to airplane mode. What are some common traits you feel good economic developers and successful business owners share? Hmm, that's another good question. I think most successful people have what I would call duality of thought. And pretty much what duality of thought is, you can put yourself in the other person's shoes of almost any situation. You know, that's really helped me with executive searches, trying to see what motivates the other person, what the board member may be thinking in sales, putting yourself in the other shoes. And, you know, you may not agree with them, but as long as you can see where they are coming from and understand a little bit of their thought process, I think you are going to be far more successful than somebody that only sees it their way and focuses only on what they see. So I think duality of thought is very, very important. And the most successful people that I know usually have that trait. All right. As we wind down, are there any mistakes you've made along the way? I mean, everybody makes mistakes, Chad. You and I have made plenty of them in growing this business. We've came out okay. I know one mistake I probably made. And looking back, I've gotten where I've wanted to in life. So maybe it wasn't a mistake, but I probably should not have started a company as my first job out of college. I worked at Texas Roadhouse and did a lot of training and serving. And God, I loved every minute of it. It was such a fun job. You know, once I graduated, I worked for about six more months. And instead of going to work for somebody, I just went out and started my own business. And talk about a learning curve. It all turned out all right. And I ended up being pretty successful in that business. But looking back, I probably should have gone to work for somebody first and had a little more experience before just setting out on my own. I know you and I have been a lot more successful my second time around of starting a business and learned a lot doing economic development, which helped prepare me for that. What's one change our listeners should consider making right now that you think would bring them closer to success? Well, I'm sure many of our listeners do this, but I would say goal setting is the number one thing. You know, every three days I sit down and I have a process for doing my goals and my to-do list. This goes back to Brian Tracy, really. I'm a big believer in goal setting. So I set weekly goals. I set monthly goals. I set quarterly goals. I set annually goals. And then I have longer term goals. My monthly goals are really just process goals, you know, make this many cold calls a day or work out for this many hours a month that ultimately lead to my annual goals. But I believe that if anybody sits down, properly writes out their goals in the present tense and revisits those goals, even if it's biweekly or monthly, your subconscious is going to help you be successful. The most successful people I know all are big believers in goal setting and planning out your vision and your plan of action. So I would say that's the number one indicator of success and probably the easiest change that anybody could make is to really sit down, 
define what they want in their career and their personal life and then make a plan of action to go get it. Now that's interesting because I've always been a big goal setter too, but I don't do it ever three days. So every three days you just review your goals and write out new lists. What is it exactly you do every three days? Probably our listeners are going to think to themselves, boy, that's a lot. That's too much. Every three days I have a process of resetting my to-do list. So I try to review my goals every morning. It's part of my routine. I wake up, I review my active goals and I'll do some affirmations and then I'll go out and start my day. But on every three days or every four days, I sit down and reorganize my to-do list. So I forget the book I read, but it pretty much said that you can't make weekly to-do lists because too many things will come up in the middle of the week that take priority over your to-do list. So every three days I sit down and I kind of turn my phone off and I block off 30 or 45 minutes and I bring out my goals list and write anything down that I need to do. I clean up my to-do list and then, you know, you and I use Trello. I'll go to my Trello, add any pertinent things to my to-do list and kind of make a new list twice a week. So I try to do it on Monday mornings and either Thursday or Friday so I can then be productive over the weekend as well as the first few days of the week. But as far as goals, yeah, I believe you should have weekly goals and you should have monthly goals and you should try to read them every morning before you start today. Also visualize them. And I know it sounds kind of out there and kind of silly, but it's been very successful for me. And I know you've always been a big goal setter yourself. I think it's a very common trait that some people have. Well, that's something I may want to try because I have goals that I set and usually every week I make a list, but I'll tell you by Friday, my list is haywire because the week's come along, I'm tired, whatever. And so three days, you know, that would have you reset it, I guess, on Thursday. I might need to start looking at that. Well, the point of it is that if you do a one day to-do list, you're not planning far enough in advance. And if you plan out for five days in advance, too many things are going to come up and add to the list and you're going to be unfocused. So kind of three days is the sweet spot. You know, I'll put personal stuff on this list as well. And I'll try to block off a time and say for two hours on Tuesday afternoon, you know, from five to seven, I'm going to set my calendar alert and knock off as many things on the personal to-do list. And if I don't get it done, it's not a big deal. Thursday morning, I see what I got done. I move it to my active to-do list and try to knock it out over the weekend. But once you get in the habit of it, which, you know, they say 21 days, you can form a habit. It really helps you be organized. Well, Mark O'Mell, I'm glad you had us do this show because people will ask me all the time, Chad, what is Alex doing? What do you do? You know, which of y'all does what? And I think you're getting a picture now of which one of us is the organized person. So Alex, final question as we wind down, how do you want people to remember you? I would say I want people to remember me as a person that achieved everything they wanted to achieve in life as someone who would set their mind to something and no matter what it was, they'd find a way to make it happen. So I guess as a doer, so to speak, somebody that sets out and accomplish things. All right, Alex, as we uh, conclude, anything else you want to share with our audience? I might not have asked you. No, but uh, I can't wait till next week when I get to turn the tables on you and ask you some questions. That's going to be fun. Well, if I don't have fun, I'm going to get mad at Mark. So thank you for being with us today. Hey, always a pleasure, Chad, and all our movement members and everybody out there. We appreciate you and we'll be in touch soon.